Welcome to the second season of Podshout. My name's Greg Sugars, your host, and it's been a while since we've had a chat. I uh, decided to take a little bit of a break from podcasting while I wrote a book. The book's titled Life in Two, We All Get to Make Choices, and it's available on my website, www.podshout.com.au. My first guest this season is a dynamic leader. Her name is Sheila Couchet, and her forte is working with CEOs, founders, and executive teams, and she effortlessly translates and articulates their vision into strategies. Sheila has an innate confidence and humility to ask questions in the C-suite and to executive stakeholders, and talks about getting to a common goal. I recently heard her talk at a women in property function and was really impressed by the message she delivered to the younger ladies in the room. I've asked her to come on to Podge Out and have a chat. Well, welcome, Sheila. I always like to start at the beginning, and uh, judging by your accent, um, you were born in the UK. Um, tell me about what it was like growing up in England and what you did in your early life um, before you came to Australia. Sure. Um, well, I grew up in the early 1970s, so uh, there was I'm one of three daughters. Um, my parents migrated from India to England back in the 1970s and we grew up just north of London. Um, in my early years, I went to the local primary school, went to the local state school and um, had a great love of learning and that's always my happy place. So you're a, a good student? I think I was. I think I was a bit of a nerd, which is fine, but I think it's a personable nerd. A personable nerd. Yeah, that's right. You don't have a nerdy personality. So, um, And have you lived anywhere else but the UK and Australia? Um, and yes. India, obviously, yeah, at the yeah. very beginning. Yeah. Um, so I was born in London, um, just outside London, and then I was went to school in uh, just outside London, and then I went to university up in the north of England, um, probably about three hours drive away um, at Newcastle upon Tyne, but that's where I did my first degree, a bachelor's in physiology, um, and then. Did you did you intend to be a doctor at that stage, or no? What was the... I, was, I just really enjoyed science. I really enjoyed biology. I enjoyed chemistry, which then took me to study uh, a bachelor of physiology. Um, but I realised probably in the last year that I um, really wasn't cut out for being a researcher. Yeah, stuck in the lab, a bit boring. Yeah, I think quite early on I realised that my skill of isolation and detail was not uh, my greatest skill. My greatest <laughs> skill was is, and probably was back then, um, communication and exploring more of the real world. So I realised that I just went, no, that's not for me. I need to go back and study a generic kind of finance course or something like that. So I chose to do a foundation course in law. And I was going to say, looking at your professional history, you started life as a corporate lawyer, so you obviously kept on with the, the study of, of legal, uh, all things legal? Yeah, yeah. So I went back after my first degree to study a postgraduate in um, law to get me that kind of foundation skills, to get me a job in the city, because I thought that would be great, get a nice safe job in the city, something that I can um, communicate, um, learn a bit more about um, all things finance. Um, but what happened when I studied the law is I got swept up into the whirlwind of becoming a trainee lawyer and I ended up getting a training contract to Alan Overy, which is okay. um, an international... Well, they still exist today, don't they? They do. Yeah, um, that's a very big firm. It is, it mm. is. So I was very, very fortunate 
to get a great training contract there um, and also had the opportunity to do a secondment in my last year to Tokyo. So that's oh, where wow. I lived, yeah. Okay, so you have been a world traveller. Yes. And you now hold a very senior management position in a professional association, the Australian Property Institute. Um, very different set of skills and um, stakeholders to being a lawyer and... Correct, correct. Um, one of the things I did, which I think has really helped me with um, senior stakeholder management or any stakeholder management, actually, um, I studied a, um, a master's in coaching psychology, which trained me to um, have communication skills, one of which is probably the most fundamental skill, which is active listening. Mm. And when I talk about active listening, there's really three elements of it which is listening without agenda, listening with curiosity, um, and listening to seek to understand. And I think that art of active listening has helped me with stakeholders, um, and that's probably one of the most important skills that I use every day. And um, listening not only in a business sense, listening life, you've got a teenage daughter how does that go does she listen to you or do you have to listen to her all the time I think when we have conversations there's one thing she always says when I when she asks me a question and I give her some I don't know sort of coaching answer she'll go mom I don't need to hear about the lesson I just <laughs> want the answer she goes I don't want to hear your script <laughs> right okay she's got you worked out really well um now I recently attended a lunch where you were a guest presenter and the audience were predominantly um female professionals, and you gave a very um, personal perspective of um, how women in the workplace can make sure they can put themselves at the forefront of whatever industry that they're at. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you had three key strategies um, at that lunch that had really helped you in your career. Do you mind sharing those with our audience? Yep, I think three, and I think um, one of them might just slightly change, but the, the very first one is strategic mentoring. So um, having a mentor, um, obviously you'll have a manager, but having a mentor gives you the um, direction to think about the unwritten rules and get some really candid feedback from somebody you trust and um, act on it. So mentors pick you as much as you pick them. Oh, it's all gonna, about Yeah, so you, you find that you didn't go looking for somebody, somebody picked you, or or did you just have chemistry with the person or think, persons that you've had over your career? I think with strategic mentoring, you have to pick somebody who has a very different style to you. Yeah. And also somebody who has a broader perspective on where you're looking. So they really need to have that helicopter view of where you are to allow you to see what they're seeing as well as them knowing, having a broader depth of knowledge as well. So that's what I call st proper strategic mentoring. So if we relate that back to your answer about your daughter, do you find that your mentor wants you to learn the lesson rather than the answer or Probably. give you the answer? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. And that was number one. Number two? Number two is if in any environment that you're going, I need to influence or change, get involved with the bigger framework, be part of... Um, advocating for whatever um, you're trying to change, whether it be with your industry body or uh, with a working group at your employer. So get actively involved. And does that include um, in the bigger part of the... 
community of your profession like professional groups and um, uh, I think the lunch that we attended was a, a women in property lunch um, which obviously was not probably a, a necessary thing for you to go but you chose to so do you, do you say to people when they're starting in their careers that they should um, put themselves out there a little bit to do those sort of things? I think so because um, it will develop your skills. You may It may feel uneasy to start with but you'll be so proud of yourself once you do it and I think thinking about it is worse than actually doing it. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? 100% an extrovert. <laughs> um, as are a lot of the guests on Podshout because um, they're obviously sitting in the studio um, <laughs> answering really hard questions. Actually, hopefully they're not that hard. Um, so that was number two. Number three? Number three is probably the most important and I think this is the point you can have in business or life and that is cultivating a growth mindset and there's lots, lots of literature out there but ultimately... Um, it's saying if you're trying to learn something and you're finding it challenging, instead of saying something like, oh, I'll never be able to learn this, it's actually going, I haven't learnt this yet. And the most important word is yet, because it gives you the opportunity to go, I just need to practice more, I need to get new skills or I need to get new feedback. But by having a growth mindset, you're never limiting your potential. Mm. So at the very beginning, you said you, you're a nerd at school from the point of view that you studied hard. You've done three degrees or postgraduate qualifications. Uh, have you stopped learning or are you still learning every day? I think now, rather than doing more formal education, it's actually being um, learning from others, like really looking at role models, um, listening, observing. Um, but I think learning now for me is about introspection. Mm. learning is all around in order for me to be the, my best self it's going be very clear about who you are what your values are what you stand for what your purpose is what your boundaries are but also how can you turn up as your best self in life or at work yep and that uh, if you carry that forward um that where you're um you're thinking about how you can improve yourself and I presume that you you read you listen to podcasts and all those fun things um, in fact what we're doing today is actually for some of our listeners to hear other people's perspectives of different styles of, of leaders in in all sorts of industries and, and walks of life um, you've got um, the ability to influence others so as having all these skills now um, do you um, then look at the, some of the professional people that you work with and say, okay, part of my role now is to help them get to where I'm at? 100%. And it, I get asked a lot to be a mentor, but also people come to me. Um, actually, I just got something today on LinkedIn saying, please, can I chat to you? I have some career, I would like to get some career advice. So it was completely random out of the blue, but um, I said, yeah, of course, because. Um, the whole purpose of part of being a professional is imparting your knowledge to others and, and making sure that they can excel in their careers as well and find it meaningful. So, yeah. Mm. And if you're talking to people who are asking career advice, heading down a different pathway, you're, you know, obviously you're um, a very educated woman. Um, you're you know, listening to the presentation you gave at the Women in Property lunch that we attended recently, do you think there are still barriers for women in the workplace? Um, do you think that 
inherently in Australia we have still got issues or has it moved past that or what's your perspective on that? It's really interesting because I don't have a strong view on it um, and I, perhaps I should do but all I, all my philosophy in life is the only person you can influence is yourself so um, that's why I come back to having a growth mindset, empowering yourself, being brave and courageous because that's the one thing in your control and if you turn up as your best self um, and are driving the, the good cause through kindness and competency um, and warmth and empathy, then um, I, I think it's really hard to argue with that. Hmm. So you've, um, you know, you've, you've got that perspective on life, which is absolutely fantastic because so many people label themselves um, and uh, put themselves in a corner and think, I can't do this because of, you know, I'm a woman, um, or man, um, you're a woman of colour as well. So again, we've got that inherent thing, whether there's discrimination sitting in workplaces or not. Um, are there any challenges that you've seen during your career that you haven't been able to overcome or anything that has um, you think, boy, that's really unfair? Um, probably. Um, I probably. I probably felt grieved at it at the time, probably my earlier years. However, I think now if I face that same challenge now that I'm that bit older, I'd probably go, what's the lesson I've learned from this? How could have I looked at that differently? How would I approach that differently? So rather than think of it as somebody did something to me, it's actually like, how, how, how can I better influence that outcome? Yeah. Okay. And so um, we talk about leadership all the time. We talk about soft skills. So Talk about how you've developed, because you can't learn soft skills at a university doing three <laughs> degrees. How how have you learned your soft skills, um, your EQ and things like that? What what have the been the, the ways that you've learned those and put them to some use during your career? I think um, it's probably something that I spend a disproportionate amount of time on in terms of personal development. Um, the, the key thing that I do daily is a process of introspection. So I probably um, self-reflect on things. I go, oh, why was that frustrating? Or why didn't I get the outcome to that? And I sit back and analyse it, not in a ruminating fashion. Good. But actually, we don't want to ruminate yeah, too much because that can be counterproductive. <laughs> but be positive and go, okay, so that happened. But what could have been a better outcome? How could I have influenced the outcome? What, how was I communicating in that situation? Was it the right time? Was it the right environment? And then go, okay, what was the lesson I learned from it? And take that into the next day or the next week or the next interaction. Another really important skill that I've learned, and I've had lots of executive coaching over the years, and I do, as I said before, I do lots of self-development, is uh, emotional self-regulation. Mm. So um, we all have very strong negative emotions that can come up for us in challenging situations in work and in life. And what I've learned is in order to be rational and to think rationally in those moments, you have to manage in the moment those negative, strong emotions. And that takes daily practice or weekly practice um, because then we can be seen as a calm and considered, confident leader. That sounds very much like... Um that background in psychology is really coming through there and uh, helping you with those sort of things. And I think it's really interesting when we talk to people, um, there is that um, 
inability to self-regulate sometimes and, and uh, in workplaces you see uh, particularly younger people who are um, somewhat prone to outbursts in front of other people and um, you know they struggle with that self-regulation but what you're saying is you've got to practice it. 100% and I think it I think it cuts across all ages and like I said it's not nobody's immune to it I think the point is is to be aware of your emotions to be aware of those strong negative emotions and to practice to regulate them because ultimately we look at the situation that's created those emotions so we deal we try and deal with the situation not the emotion so I think what we need to learn in terms of self-regulation is the emotions we own them we're accountable for them we don't project them onto others so look at the issue resolve the issue mm. So are you a planner? Like, have you mapped out your life for the next five years? No, I got asked this. I was on a panel discussion, I think, when I first moved to Brisbane. And somebody said to me, oh, did you plan your career? And I said, no, not at all. It's been an, um, it's just been a mess, actually. But <laughs> it doesn't it, look like it. <laughs> I think for me, it looks like a mess because it's not a linear thing. But I think <clears throat> when I do look at it, I go, the only thing that I adopted was I went, I'm in this job, I like this job. Then when I was looking for the next growth opportunity, I went, which parts of this job do I love? And in the next job, I'll just do more of it. Mm. So there is that kind of, rather than the role, it was actually like, how can I make sure in my next job, I'm doing more of the skills that I really enjoy and have the strength in. Mm. Do you think that's a really good lesson to younger people planning their career that let it go where it goes? And I think it comes back to the point around knowing yourself. And this yep. is, I think if there's one thing if um, that people want to take away from this podcast is the more you get to know yourself, the more you understand who you are, what you value, what your strengths are, what your challenges are, um, you will, the, the compass becomes quite strong internally. And then when opportunities do present themselves, it's quite clear where you should be going in your next um, path. Fantastic. Sheila, thanks so much for spending time with our listeners today. I think um, there's some really good lessons that have come out of that. Um, I love your three, uh, your three key strategies. I think that's really um, important for people to think about that uh, growth mindset in particular, C continue to learn, to self-develop, um, and I think uh, mentoring, we've talked about this a lot, you and I, mentoring is so important and, um, you know, I know in particular I've had some great mentors in life that have really helped me and um, I've made some great friends out of it as well and um, that's been a really good side, side part of that. But um, appreciate your time and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Great. Thanks, Greg. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Podshout. We look forward to bringing you more episodes in coming weeks and you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Podshout to find out what's coming up. Otherwise, visit our website www.podshout.com.au.